You know what? I enjoy having fun. Do you? You know, I'm going to shock everybody. One of these nights, I'm going to get up and I want to sing by myself. How would you like that? Brother Andrew, I'm telling you. I didn't know he could sing, did you? And then he got down on the end. How were you saying that? How were you doing that? You don't know. Just You know, there's certain sounds I hear on these tapes. Some of these people, the way they, I don't know, the way they. Evidently, my tongue is just not real soft and pliable. I just have problems with words even. And I get down there and try to. I heard a group singing, and one guy was singing bass, and he sounded like a bass drum. Boom, 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 boom. And I tried that. <clears throat> Sister Grant said it didn't sound like a bass to her. <laughs> oh, praise God. <clears throat> I want to talk about the gospel to every creature. The gospel to every creature. And I want to start... By reading Matthew 20, verse 16. You may stand. Boy, I hear some of these fancy titles, too. And some of these speakers. Some of the radio speakers. They put real fancy titles on. I just think and think and think and think and think and think. You know, when I think of fancy titles, four or five days after I preach the message. I think, well, it's too late now. Yeah. And, and then I've heard, uh, I, I, we have a ring up here, I think. I don't know. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> I thought maybe it was my bad ear. I don't know. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> but uh, I, uh... now Sonny's doing that on purpose. Power's off. It's supposed to be off, isn't it? I heard uh, I heard a preacher preach a message one time, and he entitled Seven Ducks on a Muddy River." And it was about naming ducking seven times in a river. And then, then I was so intrigued because one preacher stood up and said, "I'm going to preach from the Sears and Roebuck catalog." And you know, he brought it to church and opened it up. And that was back when they sold Bibles, and they were the, the page was open in the Bible that they were displaying, and he preached from the, you know, so he drew a big crowd. But I just can't come up with those unique things, so I'm just going to have to preach from the Bible and give this a very simple message, simple topic. So from Matthew 20, verse 16... So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many be called, but few chosen. And then from the 22nd chapter, we read verse 14, the 22nd chapter, verse 14. And this is a conclusion statement to a parable concerning the wedding feast for many are called but few are chosen and you may be seated and then I'm going to turn to Mark 16 and I want to read from verse 15 and this is the great commandment or the great commission and he said unto them go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. Everywhere. 
You notice how many times this word every appears. Preach the gospel to every creature. They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Now, what I see that's so unique, I say so unique, what I see that uh, verse 20 that, that is important for us to consider is that, you know, the Lord wants to confirm the word. And the confirmation of the word came not so much in assembly halls like this, but when they were out witnessing and preaching and teaching. We just had our Sunday school seminar, and Brother Cornwell, who is a personal friend of mine and just a great soul winner, talked about home Bible studies. And the reason why that a lot of churches do not grow is because if there is nothing preached, there is nothing to be confirmed. So if you, you know, the Bible says concerning Jesus that he went about doing good. Now, there is a difference in going about and going about doing good. And I think the, the real curse of, of Christianity today, the curse that's been placed upon Christianity today, is that, that people are just running themselves crazy doing nothing. I'm talking about things that don't really matter that much. And there's some real strong warnings in the Scripture uh, it talks about the cares of this life. And every now and then, I just sit down and I say, the cares of this life. You know, they can just eat you up. They really can. And the cares of this life, I define this in Christian stewardship as the things that perhaps you should care about. But maybe you care too much. And how, how do you know when you care too much? When they take priority over more important things that tells me that that you care too much about them under the same breath the lord also talks about the deceitfulness of riches you know the bible says the love of money is the root of all evil and people who are always money minded how much am I going to make off this? How much am I going to lose off this? Just everything is, every decision is a monetary decision. What am I going to do? I will assure you that money can become the greatest curse ever placed upon you. What the Bible's, that's what the Bible says, you know. So if everything you do has some value on it. It's monetary. Perhaps I'm talking to someone that spends a lot of time uh, with money. If you spend a lot of time with money, you know the value of money. However, you also have to know that there are certain things that dollar bills can not purchase. They can't. And you have to lay all of that aside. And, and get back to, to some great priorities. I guess <clears throat> I can truly define that the happiest moments of my existence have been moments in which I was sharing the gospel with someone. And I'll tell you the reason why. It's because the happiest moment of my whole life was the moment in which the saving gospel converted me or changed me. Now, if that's the happiest moment of your life, it only makes sense that when you're sharing the gospel with someone, that this becomes a very happy moment for you. So it becomes one of the happier moments in your life when you're, you're sharing the gospel. I occasionally speak to, to uh, uh, people on a telephone conversation about maybe some, I just recall one situation where a brother was telling me, he said, you know, I just didn't know it could be so much fun. I believe he used the word fun. Witnessing. He said, I just don't think I'm the best Christian around, but he said, when somebody started talking to me and I needed to defend what I believe, 
there was just something that came over me. And you're talking about a good feeling. Just to share the gospel. Well, if Jesus came primarily to seek and to save that which was lost, and we were lost and, and, and Jesus found us, then when we go and share in that mission with him to preach this gospel to every creature, you can understand why such great joy comes. Do you know that I have to do very little counseling? Uh, maybe I should say hardly any counseling with people about their personal problems that are involved in a ministry. Now, I do a lot of counseling with them, but not about personal problems. A person who is wrapped up in the package of self is wrapped up in a tremendously small package. And you will have a lot of problems. Now, all people are called of God to be saved. Many are called, but few are chosen. Now, all are called of God. Now, not all will listen. Now, we know that when Jesus Christ came, uh, John 3, 16, uh, he came so that people would not have to perish. And I made the mention, I made, I made mention this morning about hell. And when I did, I saw the baby boomers don't like to hear this. And when sister Armenti got up here and says, you know, how many of you like to go to hell? Just, oh, you know, Just, did it startle you like it did me? I thought, did she say the right thing? I remember reading a story about a preacher preaching, and he got ready to give his invitation or altar call. He was standing up behind the pulpit, and he thought he'd re- use reverse psychology. He said, everybody in the building that would like to go to hell, please stand. Nobody stood. He said it again. Every person in the building that would like to go to hell, please stand. There was an older gentleman sitting near the back, and he was asleep, and that woke him up. And all he heard was, please stand. So when he stood... <laughs> Everybody turned around and looked at him. He says, well, I, I don't really know what we're voting on, but preacher, only you and I want to do it. <laughs> I want to go to heaven. And Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which was lost. And you know the rapture is going to take place any day. Now, this may uh, amaze you, but there are more scriptures in the Bible about the second return of the Lord than what was prophesied about his coming on the planet Earth through virgin birth. That simply means that, that Jesus is coming soon because the prophecy tells us. Also, it might interest you to know that there are more scriptures in the Bible Warning people, and, and Jesus played a major role in this, about hell. More scriptures about hell than heaven. And I, I, I don't even like to think. I, think. I think if we could just kind of pull back the curtain and we could look into eternity, that every person here would, would be so affected emotionally. I, I, I doubt there'd be one person that would go to work tomorrow. Most of you will want to take off for a while and reevaluate your walk with God. One man was praying. He was praying about his neighbor. And he said, Lord, show my neighbor the flames of hell. And as he prayed about this, the Lord talked with him back and said, Look, I'm going to show him my love. I want you to see the flames of hell. And he didn't fully understand it until he began to search the scripture about the mandate that is in the scripture concerning preaching the gospel to every creature. Now Jesus is not willing that any should perish according to 2 Peter 3. If you have your Bibles just turn there with me.
verse 3 of Second Peter 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. People that just care nothing, make fun of. It's amazing to me that if you really get on fire today, even in the Christian world, if you're really on fire, you're considered to be a cult. A fairly new individual just attending our church told me this morning, said, you know, the, the whole problem is that that uh, my, my husband thinks I'm involved in a cult. Now, let me just explain something about cults. If you want to know about cults, the first place that you start is you find out what position Jesus holds in their doctrine. Where does he fit? The further out on the periphery from the center, the further out that Jesus is, the greater the chances are of it being a cult. The closer to the center that Jesus is, the greater the possibilities are of it being pure religion according to the Scripture. Now, I don't know of any expert on cults that would disagree with that. What position does Jesus play? Now, you look at all the cults that have have, uh, sprung up, and the truth of the matter is, usually it's built around some man or some strange doctrine or something weird and Jesus is usually not even mentioned it's way out there someplace the Jimmy Jones thing and all of this you know but we are to love the Lord with all of our heart our mind our soul our strength with everything we have And if you can do that, you can be locked in on pure Christianity. And I might just add this. We believe, according to the scripture, that Jesus Christ was the mighty God who came and visited the planet earth through flesh or through his son. That Jehovah God visited the planet earth, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And when you put Jesus Christ smack dab in the middle, you don't have to worry about being a cult. Now the thing about it is, you should never worry about what people are saying about you. You should worry about what you're doing. And I use the word worry. Make sure that you're involved in truth. Make sure you're involved in what is right. And there's all, there are all kinds of people, scoffers. They're out there. And they like to make fun. They like to make light of what we're doing. But the scripture says they're walking after their own lust. In verse 4, they're saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. I even had one minister open the National Geographic book, magazine. And he said, see, look right here. And he was trying to tell me, you know, you, you say that the Lord made the earth and and and." Uh, six days and, and rested on the seventh. You you actually believe that? Are you that narrow-minded? Yes. 
You know something else? See this little baby in this mother's arm? God made that baby in nine months. And even doctors today say, what a miracle. When you see this precious little baby, isn't it something? Little fingernails and little fingers and thumbs and little toes. It's just so sweet and so precious, isn't it? Isn't it? But, you know, we're just too smart for our own good. But the thing that, that is amazing is that a lot of these people who are extremely critical are being called right this very moment by God. You know that? You know, everybody that's out there that's criticizing, everybody that's out there that's scoffing, everybody that's making fun, that doesn't mean that God's not talking to them. Because most people go through that. I've used this, this statement. You have to be confused before you become fused. And by confused, we simply mean there has to be a broken link somehow with what, what you have in, uh, before you can be actually fused into God. Now, the Bible goes on to say that for they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Now, the Bible says they're ignorantly or they're willingly ignorant. In other words, they do it on purpose. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store. You know what's keeping the whole heavens and the earth intact? The Bible says what? The word of God. Reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that the Lord, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. You know, time is just something that, that intrigues me. Think about uh, Keith and Chris. 1977. They were married. Now, I have always considered him to be just a kid. He's not a kid anymore. You know? 19 years ago. Time is a way in which we... Time is, is, is the term used for measuring duration. How long it took for something to occur. And the uniqueness about God is that that God is not just locked in to the planet Earth like we are. So what time is it? Oh, it's uh, 722 and a half. But God's not locked into this. If you went to a nearby planet, uh, what would one day be? Well, it depends on which planet you're on. And you know this business about creation, you know... People say, well, Brother Grant believes that the Lord created the heavens and the earth and, 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 and basically six days, everything that's on the earth, and rested on the seventh. And, but I do not believe that day one, two, three, and part of day four, I do not believe were 24-hour days. It could have been longer. It could have been a lot shorter. You may say, why? Because it was on the fourth day that he created the sun and the moon to serve over day and night and time and seasons. So this is when the 24-hour day was set in order or motion. Prior to that, how long was a day? I don't know. You don't know. You'd just be speculating. And, and, you know, to take supposition and teach it as a doctrine is a very dangerous thing. So, the first, the first day could have been a million years. Or it could have been just a few, day, a few seconds. 
That could be true of the second and the third. On the fourth day, you know what the Lord did on the fourth day? He also planted the grass and the trees. So somewhere near the end of the fourth day, the sun and the moon had to be set in order to preserve vegetation. Now, after that, the evening and the morning were the fifth day and the sixth day. That was true of the first day and the second day. In other words, a period of light and a period of darkness. A period of light and a period of darkness. And that happened on all the days. And I would assure you, if the sun did not shine for several weeks, this planet Earth would get mighty cold. It really would. So people talk about, oh, ice age. There's a, you know, there's, they said, do you believe in glaciers? I sure do. I went to Alaska and saw one. <laughs> I, I guess it's okay to believe in them because I, I saw one with my own eyes. But the Blackshear said, you are now looking at North America's largest glacier. I said, I'll declare. <laughs> you know, I mean, I didn't know how big it was, but it just went for miles up in this big valley. He said, it's melting all the time, but it's freezing too. Freezes at night and melts in the day. So they say great big glaciers came across Wisconsin and scooped out big uh, uh, areas and now we have all of these lakes and everything. You believe that? Well, I don't know where the, I don't know how they got here. I just know there's a big lake out there. Right. Like this one man said, Jonah was not swallowed by whale. He said the Bible just says a big fish. Now tell me, what does that prove? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, okay, all right. He's swallowed by a big fish. He said, the original language says a big fish. I can't figure out anybody so interested in the Bible that they would get in it to prove that Jonah was not swallowed by a whale. It's a big fish. I said, well, that's a whale of a fish to me. <clears throat> I mean, what does that prove? And you see, that's what... It's, that's what People are going this way and that way, doing everything they possibly can to disprove and discredit God. But it doesn't change the situation one bit. Not one bit. And when people do this, they literally make fools of themselves. And you've heard me make this, this statement. It's freedom from religion. Foundation. Atheism. Spend all your time fighting something that you don't even believe exists. Now, are you talking about dumb? Just plain dumb. I said, oh, well, you don't believe in, in, in God? You don't believe in Jesus? Well, everybody believes in something, so I mean, just let us go. So we're touched a little bit, you know. Yeah. Just let us go. Let us believe this. Do you believe it? Yes, I do. Let me tell you something. I was a sick man when I came to God. And I don't care what anybody says. You can't think yourself out of it. You cannot. And nobody's come up with a solution to think themselves out of it. Jesus Christ saved me and healed me. When I was healed... On the day I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I went down to my mom and dad's house. It was one week before their wedding anniversary, April 15th, 1961. Their wedding anniversary was actually April 22nd. And I went down there and I ate Texas barbecue. I got in line and I went through and I got a half of a chicken. That's a lot of food for a man that couldn't even hardly stand to look at hot stuff. I had this bleeding ulcer killing me. I just went through and I got all this food and I went over and sat down and I ate and I gained and I gained and I gained. <laughs> I gained and I gained. 
You're talking about God being good to me. God has been good to me. Now notice what the scripture says though. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Did you know that God's going to do everything he possibly can do to save you if you're here and you're not saved? Did you know that? But did you know uh, something else? Every person you witness to, he's going to do everything he can to save that person. Now, sometimes we think it has to be done now. Like the lady praying for patience. You heard that, though, didn't you? I'm going to start doing like Brother Hollis. I'm going to say, did I tell this? (laughs) I said, Brother Hollis, just, just tell it again. I've told things so many times. I've even had people come up to me and say, you didn't tell that quite the way you told that. The first time, well, (laughs) if I change anything, I did not do it intentionally. But (laughs) at any rate, what in the world was I telling? I forgot this morning what I was saying. Oh, praying for patience. Okay, I figured the ladies would tell me. She said, Lord, I want patience. And I want right now. I remember I remember years ago back in the southern church there was a lady that stood up and she says I thank God I'm the humblest person here <laughs> Oh my well But the person listen to me <laughs> The person that you're witnessing to You've got to understand, God wants to save that person much more than you want to see that person saved. The Bible speaks of the joy that was set before him. He didn't have some kind of a morbid concept relative to the cross and he wanted to go and die on the cross. He didn't get a thrill out of that. What was set before him? He saw your beaming face. He saw your changed heart. He saw your cleansed soul. And he said it's worth it to go to the cross to see Calvary Gospel Church and all the saints in Madison clapping their hands and rejoicing in the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And he never lost focus. I say he never lost focus. Praise God. Now our job is to preach the gospel. Now the gospel, according to the scripture, is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord. Now the, that's what Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians 15. Now most of you are familiar with this. He said, I preach the, the same gospel that I received, the same gospel that I stand in. He said, this is the gospel that I preach. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless I have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and he arose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. So the gospel is what? The death, the burial, and the resurrection. Jesus Christ died, he was buried, and he arose again. And that's exactly what Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost in Acts, the second chapter, Peter talked about Jesus Christ, about him dying. He also talked about him being crucified by wicked hands. He also talks, uh, talked about his resurrection. Now, when people heard the, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord... They had to respond. Why? Because preaching demands response. Because when you preach the word of God, which is the Logos, there is the unseen spirit of God, which is the rhema of God, that goes forth with it, gets down inside of your heart, gets down inside of your soul, 
and demands a response. While I'm preaching tonight, and while every preacher that you hear that's preaching the true unadulterated gospel of the Lord, the Lord's going to accompany it, and God's going to begin to question you. He's going to say, do you believe what he's preaching? Do you really believe this? And you may say, no. And then the next question is, the Lord's going to say, you're lying about this. Now, I can't tell you that, but he can. Because, you know, it's hard to fight something that you can't see. This is the reason why I say, how can, why, why does it, it doesn't make sense to fight God, does it? Does it make sense to, to get mad at God? Every now and then I'll get a telephone call and somebody will say, Brother Grant, who said this? I said, I'm not going to tell you. But I will say this, it doesn't make sense to get bitter against somebody that you don't even know who it is. I want to know. I said, why? So you'll know who to hate? So you'll know who to get bitter against? It wouldn't be wise for me, would it, to tell you? No. So I'm not going to tell you. And I'll tell you something else that makes less sense than that, and that's to get mad at God, to run from God, a God that you cannot see, to get mad at God. I mean, you got to double up your fist. I was preaching on the street corner in La Crosse, Wisconsin one time. Pardon me, it was on State Street here in, 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 in Madison. And there was a, a college student who doubled up his fist and got out in the middle of the street. And, and he cursed God. He said, you old so-and-so. And, and then he came over and said, if God is so powerful as you say, why didn't he strike me dead? I said, do you really think God could have struck you dead? Well, if he's powerful, as you say, I said, because God's not in the killing business. God's in the saving business. He wants to save you. He doesn't get glory when someone is struck. He doesn't get get glory when someone goes to hell. He doesn't get glory when someone's lost. He came to save you. And the Holy Ghost begins to question you. And you'll ask yourself a thousand questions while the preacher's preaching. And you run these things by you in your mind. Is this for real? Is that for real? And God begins to question you. Sometimes you think it's just your own self. In other words, have you ever preached and somehow the preacher made you feel like a hypocrite? And when you analyze it, he never called your name, did he? He never even looked you in the eye, did he? Have you ever preached and it seems like every question you had was answered to the word? What's happening? That the voice of God that's been speaking to you since infancy. See, the grace of God that worketh salvation hath appeared unto all men. I'm a firm believer that Jesus Christ talks to these little infants. I believe that. And I believe that when they're growing up, Jesus talks to them. And I believe that when they get older, Jesus talks to them. Now, they may not understand that it's God, but it's God. And this is the reason why that I say that truth has an advantage over everything in the world. And the reason why is that when unadulterated truth is preached, it's like the the hearer is hearing something that he's heard all of his life. And that's going to be the responsible situation. For the end time revival. So when Peter preached about the Lord being crucified. And they heard it. uh, And preaching demands a response. The Bible says. Now when they heard this. They were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter. And the rest of the apostles. Men and brethren. What shall we do? Now the gospel is the death. The burial and the resurrection of the Lord. The answer to the gospel is this. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you. Somebody asked me if Jesus' name baptism was for everyone. 
Now, how could you read the Scripture and exclude yourself? Is the Holy Ghost for everyone? How can you read the Scripture and exclude yourself? How can you do that? The gospel must be preached to every script, every every person. How can you read the scripture and exclude yourself? And then you have have some of these negative people come around and say, "Do I have to receive the Holy Ghost? Have to? It should be an honor. You should feel like it's an honor. It's a privilege." Praise God. An honor and a privilege. So Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Jesus Christ died so that you can do what? Die to sin, which is repentance. Jesus Christ was buried so that you can be buried with him in baptism. Isn't that what the scripture teaches? That baptism is? And Jesus Christ arose from the tomb so that you can rise to newness of life, resurrection power. Which is receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39, for the promise is unto you and to all your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, if, if grace, which is the divine leading of the heart, it also means unmerited favor. But in the book of Titus, it's talking about the divine leading of the heart. The grace of God that worketh salvation hath appeared unto all men. That simply means that every man is going to be called of God. And if he's called of God, this promise of the Holy Ghost, this promise of Jesus' name, baptism, and this promise of repentance... It's to that person. I don't know how you can get around it. And then, of course, in verse, verse uh, 40, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. You know, we are experiencing... One of the greatest outpourings of the Holy Ghost that, that we have ever seen on this planet Earth. In verse, in, in Joel, the second chapter, <clears throat> in verse 25, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you. Now, God's going to... the. the the, the years, what we call the, the, the dry years, the lean years of the dark age and prior to the Reformation and such. In the last days, the Lord said, I'm going to take all of those years and make them up for an end time outpouring. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That's what the scripture says. Now listen to what it says. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Now, just because the Lord has poured out his spirit upon all flesh doesn't mean that all flesh receives that spirit. But it means it's available. You know, the Holy Ghost is all over this place right now. Praise God. It's all over this place right now. You don't have to pray for something from heaven to come down. Heaven is here. The Holy Ghost is here. Jesus Christ wants our aisles tonight. He sits in the pew with you. He talks to you personally right here tonight in the house of God. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. I believe it. I believe with all my heart. Praise God. In Matthew 13, Jesus gives seven parables. Just want to walk through these briefly with you. He talks about the parable of the sower, or should we say the soil, because the, 
the emphasis is not on the sower as much as the soil. It talks about the condition of man's heart. And then, of course, he gives uh, an explanation of this. The second parable starts in verse 24. He talks about uh, tares among the wheat. The third parable, he talks about the great grain of mustard seed. Now, what, if, you, if you notice what's happening here, and the fourth parable starts in verse 33. He talks about leaven. Uh, what, what is happening here when he's talking about the kingdom of God? He's talking about from the time that Jesus Christ preached the gospel, when he walked on this planet earth, until he comes back after the church, that these are conditions in which mankind will first digress and then progress spiritually. So we find that first the seed was sown, the second tares among wheat. And did you know that before the apostles died, before they gave their life, uh, as much as I appreciate uh, what people are doing for the Lord, and, 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 and some are preaching what I consider partial truth, and I, I don't want to be judgmental, but you have to understand the importance of preaching truth because some people can get a little and dogmatic that they'll never admit that, that there's more for them. That's what brought about the dark ages, by the way. Did you know that? I mean, you, you don't have to go to any religious uh, foundation for this information. You can go to the public library. It's right, right it's, it's documents right there. In the dark ages, people were put to death for reading the Bible. Now you, now, you figure that one out. Now, if you figure that one out. And you see, this is when leaven, and then, of course, the Reformation, verse 44, the hidden treasure in the field. And then, verse 45 and 46, guess what happens? A pearl of great price. People come into a full knowledge of who Jesus Christ was. Jesus Christ is the pearl of great price. Now, after the pearl of great price has been revealed, the last mystery is the mystery of the dragnet. Listen to this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast into the sea and it gathered of every kind, which when it was full... They drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. And then, of course, you, you will find that this summarizes the history of man from the cross, from the cross to Judgment Day. Now, the last parable is the parable I want to talk about. These are dragnet days. The Lord is crossing denominational boundaries. Do you know? And, and I, I don't even—I don't even like to talk about this because some some people—it's it, just a—it's it's a very very sore spot to a lot of people. But and, and I, I I just trust and pray that nobody here would, would think that I'm reflecting anyway. But let me just tell you what can happen in, in, in religion when religion is not pure. We have a very blighted area in American history, and that's the days of slavery. Could I also tell you that most slave owners were church-going people? Can you believe that? No, it's hard for us to understand that. I, I cannot. I say hard. I, I can't understand that. How could people treat a fellow human being the way they treat it and go to church and sing about amazing grace? How can they do that? Because of deception. People can be that far off base and still sing about Calvary and about the blood. And talk about everybody being equal and everybody being free. Not even believe it. 
It's just deception first class. Now, I have never understood that. I was talking to Sister Armenti one time. She was asking me a question. I said, Armenti, I said, I just want to tell you this. I remember a lady from down the street that came and worked with us one time. We had, I had actually borrowed their neighbor's mule. We used to plow in the fields. She came up there. She was a black lady. And when it came time for lunch, my mother said, we're going in to eat lunch. She wouldn't go in the house and eat. She said, oh, no. I, I, I've never eaten in a white person's home. My mother said, but you can't do this. She said, oh, I wouldn't dare go in there. My mother said, if you don't eat at my table, we don't eat at all. You know, I, I was puzzled about that. I thought, now, that was, that was the first time, I guess, I really took notice to, to, to this issue. I thought, man, this is, I can't believe this. All these people singing about Calvary and churches are full, big steeples and segregated. I, I never even thought of that till then. So my mother went in the house and made some sandwiches, brought them out. We sat underneath a big pecan tree with this lady and ate lunch because she wouldn't go in our home. I remember going back to my room and crying about that later. Something isn't right. This doesn't seem right. Now I brought up this issue, but because this is what deception can do. You can become so entrenched, and yet people all over America just singing about the blood and singing about Calvary and singing about equality and And the greatest revival taking place in the world today is in Africa and Ethiopia. And I'll tell you one thing. It's, it's not because the Lord is favoring those black people there because of the cruelty imposed upon them. It's not because that he's denying Americans today I'm talking about Caucasians. No. What's the secret? It's when people meet the condition that make a difference who you are. You know, I just I just got a hold of a couple of reports that I, I must share with you. Brother Billy Cole this past week was in Houston, Texas. A week before last now. In Houston, Texas. They had a citywide crusade. 8,000 people attended. One night's time, 1,100 people received the Holy Ghost. Can you believe that? Isn't that something? So I thought I'd do a little checking, but Billy Cole's been in a lot of cities this year with crusades. Would you believe in the last calendar year, maybe I shouldn't say calendar year, in the last year, one year's time, some of it goes back to 95, here in the United States, now we're not talking about overseas or any place, in the United States, in the crusades that he's held, and he does not hold these every weekend. He's been in several long crusades overseas in the last 12 months in the crusades that the cold's been involved in over 13,000 people here in North America have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost That's great. of course this past February, and I was invited to go, but because of my physical condition, I was not able to participate. But in Ethiopia, 500,000-plus people gathered in this outdoor arena 
And in one night's time, 78,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, somebody asked the question, how how do they know? They don't do the counting until they go back home. They baptize them when they go back home. And they have the names and addresses of every person. Every one of those 78,000 people. There never has been a time. Not even in the days of the Bible. In which 78,000 people receive the Holy Ghost in one service. Do you think that Jesus Christ is getting this church ready? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is wanting to save people? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is, is, is passing across denominational boundaries and he's going into countries and even in some communist bloc nations and places where we never thought that he would go? It's a miracle that we have missionaries in Russia. A miracle. But we have them there. And hundreds and thousands of people are receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Russia this very hour. Praise God. Last year in the month of June, I was, or pardon me, yes it was in the month of June. I was in Illinois uh, teaching at their camp, and Brother Cole was there. And we had Holy Ghost night on a Thursday night. And would you believe that one night, uh, people from all over the state of Illinois brought relatives and unsaved friends. And that one night, 167 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can you believe that? I watched all of that. I prayed with these people. I helped count these people. I said, I cannot believe this. When Brother Cole gave the invitation, just people with the scores came up. And all of a sudden, you know, he gave them instructions, and we started praying, and the, the Spirit of the Lord started falling. 167 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in that one service. So when we had our camp service last year with Brother Billy Cole and Brother Cunningham, I said, we want to have a Holy Ghost rally, which we did on Friday night. Now, I'm not for sure how many children received the Holy Ghost that week, or how many people received the Holy Ghost that week in our services. But I do know this, that we closed Friday night service with 230 people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost in Shawano, Wisconsin. <clears throat> and, and I also know there was more than 167 on Sunday, uh, that on Friday night. Now let me tell you something. You know, I, I hear this, Wisconsin, you know, Shano is, a, you know where Shano is? 35 miles out of Green Bay where the Packers play. Let me tell you something. More important than what the Packers are doing in Lambeau Field. We did in Shano. I'm telling you. Can I also tell you something? My hero is not Brent Favre or Reggie White. My hero is Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of my faith, the captain of my salvation. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. 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 Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, 
Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Mm-hmm. And everyone stand, please, in Revelation 5, verse 9. They sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. I want you to repeat with me, okay? All right? And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain. And thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred. Don't you love this? Let's say it again. Out of every kindred and tongue. Let's say it again. And tongue. And people. And nation. The gospel to every creature. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, God. Now, the Holy Ghost is real in this place. If you're here without the Holy Ghost, why don't you step out and come down to the front? Just come and stand. We'd like for our ministers and elders to come right now. Come on right now. Get in position to minister to people. If you're sick in body, Jesus will heal you tonight. He wants to deliver you. He's a great God. He's a wonderful God. Come on, come on right now. Come on and give your heart to the Lord. Oh, God. All of these children who are coming. If you're a guest of ours, come on right now. The Lord wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He wants you to be one of those around the throne. Brother Eckenrod, you might want to take some oil too. I don't know if anybody needs prayer. Anybody needs prayer, come and just stand. We will anoint you with oil right now. of heaven that's it come on right now come on give your heart to the Lord
Jesus can fill you with the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, there's still room for you to come. There's still room for you to pray. Step right out from where you are and come and give your heart to the Lord. Thou art